Hello everyone and welcome to Kinnerin's Sound of Play 235. <laughs> Wednesday and Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favorite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Ryan Heyman, in Sound of Play 235 is our friend from a sister podcast. It's some sort of a Midnight Resistance sequel or something. Whoa, I don't know. Whoa, we can whoa, uh, we can whoa. let him explain. <laughs> David Turner. You've already got off on the wrong foot there, Ryan. Just don't come <laughs> at me with this stuff. <laughs> I, although I was impressed you described me as a friend, so that's that's nice. That's nice. We can bridge that gap. Hello, thanks for inviting me on. Absolutely. Well, of course, we're uh, we're friends on the podcast, and uh, we let the mask slip a little bit more when we get to Twitter. Um, quite famously, that is where half of your show happens, and um, also I think it's pretty fair to say that half of Kane and Rinse happens in the computer game show Twitter feed <laughs> as well. Well, listen. Well, firstly, I should point out that it is Matt that does the Twitter feed at the moment. I'm not, and he's going for it lately. I mean, some of his tweets have been shocking, but. We haven't got a problem, Ryan. <laughs> we we haven't got a problem with sound of play. We're we're totally fine. There's not there's not an issue there. Kane and Rince, they're the they're the ones we got a problem with. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny because we've known you know, I've known Leon for so many years. I mean, going way back to when I first started podcasting. And uh I love the bloke. He's just you know, nicest bloke you'd ever meet. Um but it was weird. We just got onto some weird <laughs> so we, I don't know. We got it's this thing where we started slagging each other's podcasts off, and it makes me laugh every time. You know how how much Kane and Rince look down on the computer show, uh, computer game show, and how we think you're all nerds. It's stupid, but it just every time I see it kick off on uh, Twitter, it makes me laugh. And when the listeners get involved, not realizing that we're actually just mucking about, it it gets it, it makes me smile even more. I, I do like the uh, the. V- numerous straight face assertions on both sides on on either podcast that uh, we aren't mucking about that it is entirely serious <laughs> yeah, but it's all yeah. layers upon layers of veneer yeah i shouldn't i shouldn't break it here should i but uh it feels like uh, nobody listens to this one anyways we're now nah, we're in good spirits tonight <laughs> we're listening to some good music and uh and we're chilling out so maybe i can let the uh let people look behind the curtain for a bit <laughs> speaking of looking behind the curtain 
you've let your anaconda out on this first track. I'm disappointed for myself. The rest of the show isn't going to be like this. Nah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was a good, it was a good innuendo there, but I, I'm, I'm disappointed <laughs> with myself slightly, not because of my anaconda, but um, when, when, when you first asked me on the show, I just, I was like, well, yeah, I know loads of great video game music. I can't wait to, so I wrote a list of about 10 songs and then you sent me the list of songs that have already been played. And this show's been going on for a long time. And I was mm. like, oh shit. So I'm, I'm constantly cutting uh, stuff from my list uh, because I didn't want to repeat anything. You know, I wanted everything to be um, uh, unique. Uh, and the one that hurt me the most was this song, Anaconda from Time Splitters 2, because um, I remember playing that mini game in Time Splitters 2 and just thinking, wow, this music is not only brilliant in the, th- in the fact that it's keeping in theme with what you're doing in the game. You're collecting a sort of old school uh, game on your... I don't know what you plug it into. I know that there was something you were supposed to plug, but basically you find cartridges hidden away in these levels. Uh, and the first one on the first level was Anaconda. Um, and the music just kept into the theme of what you were doing, but also just sounded amazing, like really jolly, got stuck in your head. I loved it to pieces. And when I saw that was already on your list, it had already been played, I thought, okay, that's the one exception. The rest of the stuff <laughs> hasn't been played on this show, but this one I've I've got to play again because it's, it's my go-to video game music, I think. I listen to it every now and then with my headphones on on the bus and just think, oh, this is just too good. This is too good. So this is actually funny for me listening to this beforehand because I was thinking, uh, you know, of course, David Turner, he knows video games. He's been doing podcasts and stuff about video games. He's, he's got to have opinions about video game music. And so you know, natural guest for the show. Um, but uh, I also thought well, he's got a little bit of a trolling streak as well. And of course, there's this uh, this kind of feud between the camps. And uh, <laughs> I, w- I was kind of curious. And so I started playing this track. And for the first 10 seconds or so, it's just this uh, this these few notes that kind of loop over and over again. And I'm thinking he absolutely is trolling us, isn't he? This entire uh, podcast is going to be full of but then it actually broke out into the real song and, um, <laughs> yeah. and I it's was crazy, relieved isn't I would it? have applauded your dedication to the joke yeah no the, it's crazy because it, it it feels like you know the first few seconds of that is like a troll because (laughs) you know you're playing this game it's a ps2 game it's full of like this beautiful music like time split has had some incredible music in it anyway um but it's very modern music and um you know it was a very good looking game for its time very stylized but very good looking and then you pick up this cartridge and you plug it in and what you're doing is you're playing snake it's like a competitive version of snake you can play it four player and the idea is is that you're it's like a mix between snake and tron right so that you, you're building up your snake and you're also trying to block off everyone else um, make them crash into your tail and that music starts and it is it's intentional it's totally intentional that it sounds like it's just going dan, da, 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 dan, da, da, and you're gonna go <laughs> this is gonna irritate the hell out of me and then when those drums kick in and the, the melody just bursts it's like it, it really takes you by surprise and it leaves you with a massive smile on your face so and um, that is that is a song that's always sort of stuck out in in uh, in my head as being just an incredible moment in like very early on in my gaming life for for appreciating music in uh, in video games those opening bars kind of have a ring of the gruntilda's lair uh, to them as well maybe wow. they just go back to that original teddy bears picnic uh, parade song that 
Uh, they're both probably referencing to some degree. Yeah, but, I see what you're uh, saying. You know, yeah, those totally. opening notes there. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I, I think actually going through this process of picking out my favorite game music, there's a few things that I've picked up on. First of all, the ones I've chosen have always put a smile on my face, but also the, there's that sort of running uh, ditty behind everything, if that's the right way. Mm. I'm not, look, I'm, I don't know all the technical terms for music. I'm terrible with this stuff. I, a running ditty is correct, yeah, actually. I listened yeah. to Sean Bell um, <laughs> on this podcast not too long ago. I think it was actually, actually at the start of last year. Um, and he was coming out with all these terms and stuff. And I was like, wow, I'm going to be a big shock to everyone that listens to this show when I come on. <laughs> but it had a ditty. Right? Most of them have like a nice little, I don't know, either a, a repetitive bass line or some sort of flourish uh, that repeats throughout that I think really connects with me. And I didn't really pick up on that until I went through these songs to, um, to put them on uh, on this show. And it, it, yeah, it, it's, I've learned a lot about the music that I like in video games through, through doing this. So yeah, it's been interesting. Well, we don't need all of the, uh, all of the big fancy words uh, to describe everything because we all experience music and uh, all of our own appreciation for it and have our own ways into the music that we like so well you won't be getting any big uh, fancy words from me don't you worry about that that's a promise the, uh, <laughs> the two no narrative dissonance <laughs> i don't know what that means right no it, it means nothing <laughs> that was uh i'm gonna say maybe composed by graham norgate he composed the rest of the album but i know that sometimes in video games these kind of like one-off uh, music that's written in a very different style to everything else or music that is like kind of sectioned off in like a side game yeah. or uh, something like that is sometimes kind of composed by somebody else. And so I can't confirm one way or the other, but I don't think we have anyone better to attribute that to. So congratulations, Mr. Norgate. I'm potentially picking up some credit for uh, for another uh, composer's track, but uh, it's the best we can do. Let's track him down and give him had. an award, regardless of whether he did it or not. Let's, <laughs> let's just make him feel really guilty for getting the credit for it when he might not have even been involved. Let's get into uh, another track here. This is um, another one that really kind of caught me by surprise. <laughs> okay. I don't, <laughs> I don't play that many football games, and uh, <laughs> yeah. so whenever I think about sport games in general, I always think about well, it's just kind of licensed music. It's the top forty of the day. Uh, you know, I'm aware of like every once in a while, EA will bring in Snoop Dogg to do a half-hearted verse about how fun it is to play NBA 2K or something <laughs> like, I guess he, EA wouldn't be doing that. Anyways, I, I know very little about sports games, unfortunately, ever since the Tony Hawk series ended. Um, but anyways, that is all to say that this game, this, um, track from Pez 2008 is, uh, not a top 40 hit. And uh, is something... no, all, I, can I can I explain this? Because I'm um, I again, if oh, you please do, if you went into this thinking that I was trolling you by the time you'd heard this track, you <laughs> thought he's definitely trolling us. I'm not right. <laughs> and I've got a reason why I want to play you this song. So this is from Pez 2008. And uh, you're totally right. Back in the day, there were two main football games. There was Pro Evolution Soccer um, and FIFA. And for those of you that are not into football or football games, um, don't worry, I'm not going to bang on about football games. It's, I just want to explain the history. So FIFA was the flashy title. It had all the licenses. It had a, a much larger budget. And they used to license music for the credits, a big, uh, for the menus and stuff. And that become like a big thing. They used to play, you know, uh, really big songs. You get big names to be on this soundtrack. And Pro Evolution Soccer was, at the time, the better game. Um, 2008 was probably the last of its reign as being, you know, 
um, the majority of the people saying, yeah, no, this is better than FIFA. <laughs> they went in a different direction. They seem to, I don't know <laughs> if they managed to discover the weirdest football music on the face of the planet or they went out and got it made for the game. It's unclear. I don't know. But when you talk Pez 2008, this is the weirdest it got. Now, you've got to remember, you've got licensed tracks on FIFA. If you loaded up this game, this is the sort of music you heard. There's a very famous song or infamous song uh, from this soundtrack called Football Soccer. And it's the one that everyone refers to when you talk about Pez music back in the day. It's everyone goes, oh, that football soccer song, because it's so cringy. It's so, I mean, it's ridiculous to listen to. It's just people shouting, I want to play football soccer. And it's just awful. Uh, so that's the one people refer to. But a lot of people forget this one. But the reason why I wanted to play it here is that you don't have to like football. You don't have to like music because God knows it isn't a great song. <laughs> but I will tell you this. If you just give it 30 seconds, I guarantee it will put a smile on your face. No matter where you are, no matter what you're listening to, right? Well, obviously you're listening to this, but no matter where you are, what you're doing, just focusing on this song, I guarantee that at some point listening to this, you'll have a grin on your face. And that's why I love it so much. Everyone I play it for, they sit there with a big smile on because it's it's just fun. It's just fun. That's true. It's it's an interesting song too with the uh, kind of jazz organ in the background. and the like really goofy vocals up front. It makes me think of if Sega had released the Katamari Damacy games, this is what the soundtrack would have sounded like. Yeah, I mean, most of their music sounds like a parody, like someone that isn't into football trying to make football music, right? That, that That's what it is. I mean, there's referee whistles in here, there's commentators, there's um, crowd chants. It's just <laughs> all chucked in with this weird vocal um, throughout with some of the weird... I mean, I love it. I genuinely love it. Not ironically, I genuinely love it. And because... I can stick this on with my again with my headphones on every now and then and just grin from ear to ear for for three minutes. So it's um yeah, I love it. All right, this is football soccer goal. Again, uh without attribution, we're not able to find the specific artist who contributed to this from as 
Pita, começa a partida, o maior espetáculo da terra, futebol e o gol! Estádio lotado, arquibancadas congestionadas, futebol é assim que eu te sinto. Escorrega a bola até a pequena área, a torcida fibra, surge o perigo, arremata e chuta. I really know after the first 30 seconds I'm like yeah I'm fully on board with this <laughs> it's the different bits as well it's the the bit where there's one bit where he goes I mean you've got the bit where he goes away 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 a football like it's just oh god I love it so much like genuinely well, that's the, the fun thing about football music in general and again it's not something that I encounter regularly as an American but uh It, it does have this nice kind of international flavor to it just because the game is played so widely across the world and it kind of incorporates the different chants of the different countries that all contribute to this sound of football in general. And that's and that's why that sort of music usually fails. I mean, when they try to bring it mm. out during World Cups and stuff, those songs don't do too well because I think genuine football fans find them quite cringy. The fact that they're trying to incorporate so much into it, mm. it doesn't really work. But I think because of the reason why this is, these songs were made, because you heard them repeatedly while you were playing the game, it they just they break through that barrier of being extremely cringy and actually quite entertaining. And I think that is, um, look, if I was coming onto uh, a music show, that was one of the first songs on my list, regardless of if it, if it was being played or not before. Um, I kind of knew it hadn't been before you sent me the list, <laughs> but um, I adore it. And I genuinely uh, think if you're ever in a bad mood, stick that song on and it will cheer you right up. <laughs> 
I kind of want to use that as the custom soundtrack for like Mortal Kombat 11 or something like that. I think that totally. would uh, I, I really want, enliven the proceedings. I um I once sent a tweet to uh, my football club, Millwall, uh, London football team, <laughs> um, asking them if they'd play it before a match. Uh, I didn't get a reply, but I'd love it if, <laughs> as the players were walking out onto the pitch, it's, oh, where, where, footy, footy. I would be the only man standing up in the middle of that stadium just chanting it full belt like <laughs> i'd love it it'd be great uh but yeah now probably probably wouldn't survive that one though of course in a uh, previous sound of play we've heard another famous football video game song the goal starring superstar hero from i'm sorry i'm not going to be able to place it but uh one of the maybe one of the sensible soccer games i can't place uh, that one on. if i'm honest with you um there's uh, yeah. there's so many and they're usually it is usually they sort of fell into that style of you know jazzy sort of bouncy jazzy numbers especially in menus mm. and that was until EA just come along and said no we're just going to put licensed music in this um, and it worked for EA you know I, I mean even now it feels like they're putting some good artists into their games but um, mm. nothing can compare to that weird period where Konami just started sticking songs like this in their <laughs> game it's it, it was just wonderful yeah and why not it's uh, it's memorable and we're probably thinking more about Pez 2018 or 20, 2008 Wow. Uh, more now than anyone else on the planet at this given moment. So Those people that played it feel, think about that game a lot. Let's move on to a request from the forum. This comes from CH Davis uh, 0917, uh, who says, After a couple of years in college, I was inspired to intern for a small record label in Portland, Oregon. In my first couple of weeks there, I was asked to do some viral marketing for a band called Magic Sword. All I knew is that they were from Idaho. They played electronic music and they were and they wore masks during the performances. Seriously, they'd never revealed their faces publicly. Think Daft Punk. After several months of promoting s- secret shows and viral marketing campaigns for the band, I ended up meeting the band, very nice fellas. I soon discovered that their music would be featured in a little indie game called Hotline Miami 2. Having played the first game, I couldn't think of a better group to match the first game's intense electro tracks. Upon firing up the game's sixth level, moving up, I heard the familiar keyboard intro I'd been jamming to for months. The level was brutal, featuring a particularly challenging section involving several attack dogs. This was the first and only time my professional life has crossed paths with the gaming world, and I'll never forget it. Here's the In the Face of Evil by Magic Sword, featured in Hotline Miami 2, wrong number. So are you a Hotline Miami fan? Yes. Very much so, and um, I am—I've not played Hotline Miami two actually, but the, yeah, the original I absolutely adored. I remember playing it at Res about a year before it came out, and I was so excited about it that I installed uh, Windows on my on my MacBook just so I could play Hotline Miami, <laughs> um, and I adored it. I absolutely adored it. And then when it came out on PS4, I played for it on that as well. Um, and that was one of the rare games because one of those people that, that only really like to listen to video game music in context. You know, I've mentioned a couple of times where there's been a few songs. Well, where sorry I've... for making you sit through all this. No, no, no. <laughs> and it's not that. It's I, 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 I think people experience them in different ways. And I think I, mm. I think a few of my choices are going to a little bit more. But that was one of the rare cases where I uh, went and listened to the soundtrack outside. Like I was at, at work and stuff, which sound is a bit dangerous, like walking into the uh, into the office with that that uh, nightclub music from Hotline Miami One uh, blazing through my headphones was uh, I, I mean 
yeah, people lucky to get away with it, put it that way. And, <laughs> and it was, yeah, it's the, that, that, the game, uh, the music in that game was so, felt so unique and fresh to anything else that I'd, I'd heard uh, in gaming up to then that, uh, yeah, it just, I just fell in love with it. Music was such a big part of what made that game so good. I know that uh, among the fan base, uh, Hotline Miami 2 is kind of a controversial entry in the series and that uh, a lot of the big fans of the first kind of stepped away from the second and those that didn't really gel with the first oftentimes kind of find some footing in the second. So it's uh, it's interesting when sequels do this, especially something that seems so, like such a relatively straightforward continuation of the gameplay of the the previous game. Yeah, um, it's kind of the reason why I didn't play it actually, because I, I adored the first one so much and what I was reading about the second one seemed to be something like, I think the the main complaint that I heard and I, you know, it's, it's not really valid cause I haven't played it myself, but the main complaint that I'd heard, it was that the focus this time was on let's make it as difficult as possible. Um, I don't know how true that is, but that's, that's what I was reading at the time. And I kind of thought, yeah, no hotline Miami was difficult. There's no doubt about that, but that wasn't the main reason why I wanted to play it. I didn't play it thinking this needs to be even more difficult. Like I wasn't looking for a bigger challenge. So that's kind of what put me off giving it a go but i'll get around to it at some point i need to really and it's uh kind of gone on to inspire a whole wave of indie games with um katana zero and other these kind of stylish uh single room one yeah, one hit eight, one eight kill pal. type of action yeah. games yeah uh, it was another yeah, one that was heavily uh, many of them by. published by devolver digital <laughs> they found their niche they have they have but they, they're doing it well so it's all good anyways so let's listen to in the face of evil by magic sword from hotline miami 2 wrong number
This next one that you're bringing us was from the computer game show Game of the Year two years ago. Two years ago now, yeah. Uh, this is a, uh, a fun piece. This is one of the pieces. I mean, there's not many tracks in this game, and we'll kind of circle back to everything. We'll circle back to what it is in a moment, but yeah. there's not many tracks in this game, and so you hear them on loop quite a bit throughout the game. And um, this one always... I enjoyed it, but it always bothered me because it was, it always kind of triggered this sense of like, I feel like it's reminding me of another song, but I was never able to place it. Oh, really? And I'm still not able to. It still has that like kind of tip of my tongue, like something, something, it's triggering something. I don't know what. (laughs) So the reason I wanted to play this song is um, because, yes, you do hear it a few times throughout the game, but there's, there's one specific level, the creepy caves, I think they're called. We all know that video game music, above all else, is is evocative, right? And um, because largely you're you're engrossed in a game, you're you're in that game. You know, you feel like you're in that world while you're hearing this music. Whenever you hear that music outside of that space, you can really go back to that area again. Mm, you know, yeah. the, the, even those little flourishes from Breath of the Wild can send me not back to sitting on my sofa playing the game, but standing in that world and looking around it's it it takes you to that point and what's crazy about um astrobot is that obviously it's the first real vr game that i played from start to finish where it wasn't just a quick experience and wow that wasn't that cool it was actually a game that i enjoyed playing um the first time in in vr when you talk about um video games sending you back to a space that's one thing when that is a vr game that you feel like you've been inside anyway it's a whole nother level and what i like about this song is that i can't think that creepy caves level where the the idea is you're underground um it's all very dark for the first time whereas like astrobot is usually a bright game with lots of um, bright scenery and trees and flowers and everything all of a sudden you're underground and it's quite intimidating at first i know it's all very cartoony but you are kind of like i'm not quite sure about this it's all dark you don't know what's going on um and then just as the melody kicks in uh on this track the whole cave kind of comes to life in different sort of lighting different enemies that are crawling about and um different astrobots like running around and stuff and it's just Every time I hear it, I'm back in that cave and I'm watching the level explode into life. Uh, mm. And I, it was one of the songs that um, me and my son was just singing over and over again um, after playing that game. Because when, when I was playing this, he liked watching the TV while I had the headset on and uh, was playing the game. He just liked watching it on the telly so he could hear the music as well and we had to keep playing it in the car and stuff because harry wanted to hear it and it never got old and every time i heard it i was back in that cave and uh yeah that's why i wanted to play it because i think i personally i think it's the best song on the soundtrack and i'm surprised that you've had a few songs from this game uh on your uh, uh on your show and, and and this one was missing so i was glad that we were able to slot it in this is a fun one i know exactly what you mean about remembering where you were i always listen to not always but i often listen to podcasts while i'm playing video games whenever i circle back to especially the comedy bang bang end of the year they do a kind of a best of show and i'll hear those clips from the best of show and remember exactly (laughs) where i was in the original game when i heard that podcast um when i heard that clip for the first time (laughs) 
yeah. uh, many, many months ago. So it, it's weird how it just transports you backwards. It is crazy. And I mean, it's like, you know, Uptown Girl, that song sends me back to the <laughs> family discos we used to have where I would just stand looking at the lights next to the DJ just thinking, I hate this song. Every time I hear that, I get I get transported back to that. Um, you know, it's it's yeah, it's mad how music can just sort of transport you back. And I, I, for me personally, nothing does that better than video game music, you know. And when mm. I was going through some of the songs, uh, the, the, you know, there's some songs later on as well that do exactly the same thing that that put me back into that space. I mean, I, I went back and listened to the Metal Gear Solid 2 soundtrack again this week in preparation for this. Unfortunately, most of that stuff's been played, but there were so many songs in it where it was like, I actually remember where I was sitting, how I was sitting as I was playing this. Um, I remember where, you know, where all the characters were and what they were doing and what mission I was on just, just by listening to this piece of music. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I love it that music can do that. And, uh, that, but also with VR <laughs> attached to it is like a, a next level of that. It's crazy. Yeah. Back in the day before they had, um, like home video releases for movies, they used to put out bits of the soundtrack and then bits of the in movie dialogue and sound effects and stuff as like a way of of just kind of putting it on and trying to remember and uh, go back to the movie in a similar way since you couldn't watch it unless it were to come on tv or be re-released at your local theater or something like that so it's um yeah it's an interesting phenomenon it really is (laughs) anyways this is tight mites by uh, kenneth cm young from astrobot rescue mission
that's a it's kind of a weird track construction wise because it has a real like a verse chorus structure in ways that video game music typically doesn't it reminds me of uh yoshi's woolly world in that way yeah it's way more structured composed like pop songs yeah yeah totally looping tracks also (laughs) there's some weird um slightly flat notes um here Mm. and there or, or or um you know some of the notes wobble a little bit in a way that you wouldn't normally expect and I suppose if unless you know the context that might sound bad but the reason why it does that sort of stuff is that it kind of reflects the how the little robots talk and squeak at each other and it, it yeah that's what that's all about and it has that sort of mechanical feel it's weird it kind of feels like dark and dingy like a cave but at the Mm. same time has this sort of metallic element to it where you because everything in the game is like a little robot thing and it it, i don't know it just nails it for me it nails the atmosphere of that level so well um it's brilliant the whole game this is really great kind of mixture between uh it's like a halfway in between robotic and organic and all of the all the characters act in really kind of like lifelike kind of ways in ways that don't make sense for a computer or a robot to be acting. I love my favorite touch is that um, in the spooky levels and the underground levels, you can find little uh, robot skeletons. It's like, of yeah. course, they wouldn't have skeletons, but it's like, that's a funny touch. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And and um, and it also has the sci-fi element added on as well, because a lot of the mm-hmm. music is sort of that sort of space swirly bass stuff. You know what I mean? Like the 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 um, main menu music is is very much like something out of some sort of 80s sci-fi, space sci-fi uh, film. Um, and it just brings it all together in, in a really incredible way while also keeping that sort of structured tempo of, say, as you say, like a Yoshi's Woolly World or a Super Mario Odyssey style um, soundtrack. It, mm-hmm. it nails it. Yeah. It's really underrated, actually, the music in that game. You don't hear it being um, spoken about much, but maybe that's just down to the fact that by virtue of being a PSV, uh, PSVR game, that there's not a, a massive amount of people that have actually sat down and played for it. Yeah. And there's not that much music in the game in total compared to other games where there might be a different track for every single stage in the yeah. entire game but uh it's uh it makes good use of what it has did you ever get into collecting the little dioramas towards the end of the game in your spaceship no, no because by the time i'd finished it james turned up at my house and wanted his psvr back so <laughs> i never really got i i tried out a few of those things but i didn't do a lot of the uh because i played it was a crane game wasn't it yeah where you had to pick up the little balls and uh yeah i i I did a few of those, but I didn't really get into it. Okay. It was a crane game, but it was one where I think you won every time, That's I right. believe, yeah, or yeah. something like that. So it was very forgiving. It was. But uh, anyways, fun game. I uh, I should go back. To, I, I'm missing like one chameleon in the entire game, and that's it's always kind of bugged me, but I've just never gone back to it. Easily one of the best um, final bosses in recent times as well. <laughs> that final boss is so good. I mean, it's yeah. ridiculous. It's, I mean, he's quite hard. It's quite hard to fight, but um, the ideas that are piled into it are just so good. <laughs> that I, I That's what sold me on the game, really, because it just improves with every, every world. And then you get to that final boss and you're just like, wow. I mean, the stuff that it does with bosses in general is incredible that shark one was unbelievable too Mm. you know you're in the middle of an ocean fight a big cartoon shark um and it doesn't muck about like the scale is is off the charts really good it's so diverse and the bosses are doing things that you've never seen before but you still know instinctively how to react you're like some part of my brain understands the visual language but all of this is completely new (laughs) 
Yeah, well, it has to be. And that's that's what's so mm. impressive about that game. And, you know, there's a lot of people were saying when that game came out that it reminds me, them of uh, Mario 64. And I don't think mm-hmm. anyone's saying it's as good as that game. You know, that was such a revolutionary game. But I think the feeling is, is that Mario 64 come out and it did that 3D platforming stuff almost perfectly first time. You know, to, to, to try something so new and to nail it is, I can't comprehend how hard that must be yeah that's what astrobot does with vr it, it put a platformer in vr and it, it it just nails it like it had it didn't have much to go on previously and they'd obviously been thinking about it for a while because it was on that vr worlds disc you know a, a mm-hmm. sort of a test version of it was on that vr worlds disc oh god they nail it they absolutely nail it um, yeah, it's really impressive stuff. Yeah, I'm excited to see where VR goes going forward. I'm in a little bit of a uh, weird position. I moved to a new home uh, last July, well, yeah, last July, somewhere around there. And my new home is not as well equipped for VR as the, the previous one was. It's not as easy to kind of get the furniture out of the space. So I don't play as much as I used to. But uh, every time I do go back in there, I'm like, I should really do this more often. Well, my 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 thing with VR at the moment is that the games that I... Because I've got a quest and the games that I am enjoying most on it do not involve standing up, do not involve waving my arms about. Yeah. It's It's the sort of social spaces and uh you know uh, poker games and stuff like that i'm sure there are going to be the, the more they focus on games like that where you can sit down and you're in a mm-hmm. virtual table and you're either playing a board game or some sort of game on a table like that i think that's where you get the hours of play out of it um whereas you know things like super hot vr and that is incredible don't get me wrong but i'm not playing that for more than 20 30 minutes at a time because it's knackering. I don't want to smash things off my shelf. And um, and yeah, when I do get a time to sit and play, I, I, I want to sit and play. So I don't know. I mean, they were, they, I mean, it's interesting, but I think at the moment the, the uh, focus seems to be on let's make realistic things. Let's make shooting games with uh, one-to-one movement. And I, that's not what I'm enjoying about VR at the moment. So mm-hmm. I've been playing a bit of uh, Trover Saves the Universe, which is a game where you play as various, uh, where you play as an alien species that is specifically like the whole thing about this species is that, that they are bound to their chairs. And oh, so it's okay. like a fun way of, of kind of working around the uh, limitations of seated VR as the preferred way to play. That's pretty cool. Have you played um, virtual virtual reality yet? Uh, no, no. I've played Accounting Plus, which has kind of a similar concept, but I've not played virtual virtual reality. Uh, if you if you can find that, I don't. I, is it a PSVR you got, or have you got an Oculus? Actually, I, I have a uh, Rift and a PSVR. Okay, so. okay. You you need to play. I assume you like Portal, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. If you like Portal, you'll like this. I think. Not not, not because okay. it's a similar game, because it's absolutely not. But what it does do is have that sort of feeling about it, you know, where it, it, it tries to, I don't know, it tries to present you something and then breaks that down. It's got a similar feeling to it mm. without feeling like it's trying to rip off Portal, basically. Um, and I think, yeah, that's that's another absolutely stellar VR experience for sure. Nice. Well, yeah, I'll definitely check that out. This next game, I'm having a hard time segueing into it. I can't think of a good link from VR to Ori in the Blind Forest other than, I guess, if you play too much VR, you might go blind. Do. Or is that masturbating? I can't remember. I've, I've tried both and I still see. So <laughs> Still see. 
Yep. You need glasses now, though. The yeah, I do. That's glasses, a so. good point. Maybe They're I should finally catching up to you. Maybe I should <laughs> One stop. <of> the two. <laughs> Maybe I should stop gaming. <laughs> All right. Um, this is a request from the forum that comes from Gingertastic01, who says, "With the release of Ori in the Blind Forest to Switch, I thought it would be a good time to request a track from the definitive edition that some folks might have missed out on with the original." The track I'm requesting is called A Closer Understanding of the Past and plays during one of the new areas featured in the Definitive Edition. I know it's another request from a highly requested score, but you can't really have too much of a good thing, can you? Yes, this is from uh, Gareth Coker's score to Ori in the Blind Forest, which I I really love. There's um, I, I was just thinking the other day that there's not that many games on the horizon now that I'm just kind of like really blindingly excited to play. I mean, you know, like, of course, I anticipate cyberpunk being really good, but like, it's one of those where it's like, eh, it could get delayed and I'm not really going to lose sleep over it because it will be good eventually. But yeah. I feel like Ori and the Will of the Wisps, I am like, like, you know, bang up for, I, I need that right now. <laughs> this is, this is so bizarre for me, right? That game's not out. No. I swear it has been spoken about for what, three, four years? This is the yeah, second Yeah, it's been around one. for a long time. <laughs> it's, it, it's crazy that that game is not out yet. And I, I, to the point where I thought it come out last year. Like, I, I genuinely mm. thought it was out. <laughs> so it's bizarre hearing that you're still waiting for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I never played the original. Um, I, I, oh, really? No, I believe oh, you it. You really like it. It's it's very, very good. Yeah, I've heard it would be right up my street because I, I do like games like that. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I should play that. I should definitely play that. Yeah, really beautiful game. It's more of a kind of momentum platformer like Rayman Legends rather than the kind of precision platformery type of Meat Boy or Super Mario type of game. Beautiful game. Uh, really excited for the sequel. I uh, I work on uh, Game Pass marketing, and so I'm surrounded by Ori stuff all day, and it's uh, it's killing me to not be able to play it yet. <laughs> when is it due out? Just another month or so, uh, March 11th. Okay, not long to wait then. Well, that will nope. feel like long. It will feel like a long time. These things always do. <laughs> when you're yeah. that excited for a video game, it feels like it will take forever. Yep. And when I have to be uh, working with its marketing components every single day, God, can't just go look. Just send me. A, just send me a <laughs> copy. Come on. I gotta know. You know, to be an informed marketer, I have yeah, to. Yeah, you got to play that card. I have to know card. all about the games, the ins and outs. What are my math questions? You know, <laughs> you've got to play that card. Absolutely, I'll be doing that every day. <laughs> uh, anyways, this is a closer understanding of the past from Ori in the Blind Forest. Another beautiful track from a great score. Let's listen to that now.
and now cycling onto something completely defiantly different. This is a, uh, a very, a very fun track as well uh, from Guitaru Man, which I, I'm kind of a collector of like weirdo obscure rhythm games, and uh, this is one that I've never played. It's like a glaring blind what? spot in. I, I know that like I really should, but like this one, I've heard that if you kind of missed out on the original hardware, it doesn't emulate as well and it's not, yeah. it, it's really hard to go back to later. And so it's just one that I've never really had a chance to sit down with. Right. I really it, regret that. Here's the thing. It, it's not hard to go back to, right? If if you mm. had the PS2 version and a PS2 in front of you now, right. uh, it wouldn't be hard to go back to. But what what is hard is to find a copy. So, I mean... Getting it on the PS2 is fine. Um, if you could track down a copy or whatever, they re-released it on the Vita, and the problem with that is that you was it the Vita or the original PSP? I think it was. Um, Guitar mm. Man lives. It's almost impossible to play. Like I bought it on that, but it was just pointless because you use the stick so much, and using that nub mm. just didn't give you the precision that you need. So I've got like a whole history with this game. At the time when it came out, I I couldn't afford to go and buy it all the like any game that I wanted right so I used to collect demo discs like most kids did my age and um, I, it, on this demo disc was this weird cartoon guitar character and I'd played all the games on this demo disc I completely run out of things to do so I just stuck it stuck it on and I was like this is this is bizarre this is just weird I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing I, I'm failing constantly I don't know why and so I just kept playing it over and over and over again. The level that was on the demo was of this track. Originally, it on this demo, it had English lyrics. So after repeatedly like playing this demo constant, I mean like for ages over and over again, I thought, well, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to buy this at some point. So when I finally came across a a, a copy, I played through through. Uh, the first level, and I was like, okay, this is this is explaining how to play the game. This is all good. And then this level came up, and I'm, well, I know this level. And the moment it started with Japanese lyrics, I was like, what? What? Why is it in Japanese? Like, is there a setting? Can I change it? This is really bizarre. And it really jarred me. Uh, but in the end, I found out that, no, that's just the version that was on the PAL copy of the disc. It didn't have the one with... Uh, now, I couldn't wrap my head around why they would use the Japanese version. Um, so after, you know, a few months, I'd completed the game. I'd enjoyed it. Uh, well, I fell in love with it, basically. it was a, I, I never sold it. I sold a lot of PS2 games to fund other games. I never sold Gitaru Man. I think I've still got it as well in the loft. Like, I, I, I just can't let it go. I had such a great experience with it. But... When I went back and played the demo version, because I thought, well, I'll go back and try it with English lyrics again, I was cringing throughout and just thought, no, that's that's why they changed it. It's so much better um, uh, with the Japanese lyrics in it. That uh, yeah, and I again, you've played songs from Guitaru Man on uh, this show before. I cannot believe you've not played this one. For me, this is the defining song. And I know people say the song at the end, the last song in it is is a real big moment, and it is, but nothing tops this one. This is just, this sums up what Guitaru Man is. It's it's just bizarre, wacky, um, and just, I've never enjoyed uh, original soundtracks in... um, in rhythm action games, it's usually licensed stuff, even up to a, a Wendan and stuff like that. But here, 
it's an OST and it is absolutely incredible. So if you can kind of paint a visual picture, what's happening on the screen <laughs> while you're playing I, this, this I, song? I don't think I can. So the idea is, the way it works is that Gitaru Man, each level you're in a battle. It's like every level's a boss battle, or most of them are anyway, but you're fighting against someone. And there's two stages. There's uh, two stages of each song. There's one where you are avoiding uh, attacks and you do that by pressing the the buttons that pop up on the screen. It's screen, so it'd be triangle, square, X, whatever. And you're doing that in time with the music, obviously. And then there's the attack phase where you, uh, you're you playing the guitar. And the way you're doing is that is you can press any of the face buttons, but you also have to put push the stick in the direction that this sort of tail is, is flying in the middle of the screen. Mm-hmm. And behind the visuals of what you're supposed to be pressing there's this bizarre cartoon of um this kid dressed up as Gitaru man who is a superhero that has this magic guitar and um, fighting these enemies and in this one i think it's spaceships coming down and attack it, attacking a town if i remember correctly like all civilians are running towards the screen and screaming while this music is going on and they're firing down and Gitaru man standing there just firing his guitar at them it's just and at one point they fly up into the sky and they're in the clouds and it's just bizarre but um when you bring that sort of cheesy music the weird visuals and the unique way that you play it all all together it just feels like this unique masterpiece and i'm i'm absolutely gutted that i can't play that on my ps4 right now like there's no way of playing it on my ps4 mm. i i think that is a crime when parappa the rapper's on there <laughs> it's just you know i liked parappa rapper back in the day doesn't hold up you go and play guitar room man i guarantee it still feels fresh and exciting i don't know man i'm a big fan of chop chop master onion i look Especially it's a great song he does when he's waiting for the toilet it's a great song and it's fun <laughs> and everything but it's nowhere near as fun to play as this yeah you need yeah. to play this game it is just too good i know i i've uh i really want to track down a copy and uh, maybe maybe if the next playstation is fully backwards compatible uh even though that's doesn't seem to be Sony's kind of trajectory over the last kind of generation or two, but uh, maybe fingers crossed. I just hope they drop it. I mean, they must, there must be a way of getting this just on there for like a fiver or whatever. They'd make some, I bet yeah. the work involved in getting it working on. And you know, this was on older TVs as well. So latency mm. could be a big issue, but I've just ruined that. Yeah. I, feel, I, I, I was trying to convince them, but actually I've turned them off the idea of putting this on PS4 <laughs> now by not saying that. I'm not, it's a, shame. a lot of the time there's like weird licensing issues that get in the way of things. And that's always, uh, that's always too bad, that but sucks. every once in a while, uh, some of the the great old games find their way back. Yeah, but no, it's it's just wonderful. There's I remember there's a drum and beat bass level in it that took me days to finish. Mm. It was one. It was so hardcore this this uh, this level that you just could not miss a couple of inputs. And um, I, but what was weird is that once I'd spent this time putting it uh, like putting this time into this level, the moment I completed it, for years after I could just go in and complete it first time again mm, because yeah, i just yeah. knew that level <laughs> it was crazy yeah this is fly into your heart by keiji yano from guitar <laughs>
to another colorful game uh, that comes, uh, it's a little bit more recent uh, than the last one, but equally as bizarre blend of genres and aesthetics. This is from Yoku's Island Express. This is one that uh, that you really like, actually. Yeah, it was it was funny because, um, you know, we, we, every now and then we get to play games before they come out. Um, and it is a rarity, but it's, it's always a, a bit of a privilege, you know. Every now and then you get one that blows your mind and you think this is just so good. Um, and you start to worry a little bit because you think, I'm going to rave about this game and say it's really good, but I don't know what anyone else thinks of it. Um, and you just hope that people enjoy it as much as as, as you have. And uh, Yoku's Island Express is is the perfect instance where you're, you're playing it and you're thinking, this is unbelievably good. Like, this is just so mm-hmm. good to play. And then when the reviews come out, they tend to agree with you. And then you start seeing the public buying the game and talking about it and it explodes, right? It, it did really well. I think my opinions of this game are helped by the fact that uh, me and my son played it from start to finish, sat next to each other, just enjoyed it, enjoyed the music, enjoyed the visuals, enjoyed enjoyed the exploration. This song is, the, the song we're about to play is a mixture of both the intro music and the sort of main area in the game. The sort of, not the main area, but the, the sort of hub, the home, the home area, you know, think, mm-hmm. what is it? The uh, Firelink Shrine sort of place uh, <laughs> that you return to every now and then. Um, and it's, it, it kind of sums up the atmosphere and mood of the game. Um, so for those of you that haven't played it, you're a dung beetle uh, that's been sent to an island that, is being attacked by gods and and you're the postman and you've got to explore around this island delivering post uh, and packages and you get wrapped up into the story of uh well it's no it's yeah there were several gods that uh, looked over the island but most of them have been killed by the god slayer uh, and the last god has been attacked by the god slayer but is still alive at this point um and you've been wrapped up in this 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 storyline um and the way you move about is by flipping flippers. It feels like a pinball game. So um, Yoku's sort of permanently attached to his dung ball and uh, you flip the dung ball about and Yoku follows it, basically. Um, and it just feels so unique, such a great way to mash up several different like Metroidvanias and pinball games and uh, exploration games and stuff like that. And it, it puts it all into one package um, and works really well. Um, but it's got this beautiful oil painting style around everything um and this wonderful soundtrack this just really unique sounding soundtrack you know it's not like you'd hear in any other game and it just works so perfectly with everything else this game does and this sort of main theme sums it up basically i think it's it's probably the best piece in the in the game and uh i can't i never tire from hearing it At the moment i hear that first sort of few notes it, it again puts a big grin on my face, I love it.
there must be a whole generation of game developers now that grew up playing a lot of pinball because we're getting Yoki's Island. We've gotten um, Creature in the Well last year. There was Demon Tilt right at the end of last year. All these pinball games that uh, I don't remember it being that popular a genre in video games before, but all of a sudden there's all these uh, kind of pinball inspired indie games that are taking it in really wildly different directions. Yeah, it's weird. It's like, um, I remember there being, growing up, there was a lot of pinball games. They were basically PC games, weren't they? That's where you saw them the most, Mm -hmm. on the PC. And then you had like Sonic Spinball, which I really liked. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, you know, I hear since that it it wasn't really well received when it first came out. But I I really liked it at the time. There's been a few of those weird crossovers. The Pokemon Pinball, I think there were two or three of those. There was Metroid Prime Pinball. Was there really? (laughs) On the Nintendo DS. But yeah, no, I mean, if you can get it to work then uh, pimples just fun it's the the half it's the slightly random nature of it but also the fact that there's a bit of skill involved especially with yoku i mean it, it's not a hardcore uh pimple game it's not something mm-hmm. that you 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 really have to have lightning fast reactions and precision aiming with it it, it sort of simplifies most of that stuff really but it it it's manages to make things interesting enough for you to stick it gets that sort of essence of playing pinball um but turns it into something a little bit different um and works really well works really well did you did you play this game oh yeah yeah i love this one as well um big fan of it on the switch i played it on yeah yeah it felt so good on the switch it's perfect for that you're speaking of pinball weirdly over the last couple of days i've actually <laughs> For some reason, I don't know, it got in my head to throw on Peggle again. Oh my god. I just had a, a brilliant time with it. Like, it's so much fun. It's such a well-designed little game. It's like, how did that series just end up completely disappearing off the face of the earth? And like, it, it is aged technology at this point. Like, it runs in a window that's microscopic on my, like, 1440p monitor. Like, it's just, it, it does not complement modern computers well and it's just like it's abandonware at this point did you play peggle 2 on um that's on xbox right you can get it on ea access yeah yeah i played i played that when i got an xbox one originally but i haven't been back to it as much though i don't i don't remember it being as uh it always felt like such a pc game to me just because i like having that mouse control but um i i should probably go back to the sequel and see it's if it funny really actually because it's always it always felt like an iphone game to me um mm. because that's where i played it first you know i played it on my yeah. phone and uh yeah i mean god it, it's hilarious isn't it it's so funny how ridiculous like when the music kicks in when you get the last peg and stuff <laughs> it's just so funny yeah maybe i need to load that up again I've not played that for a while. It's a Makes me kind of miss PopCap, you know, the uh, Bejeweled games uh, got really good. Um, Plants vs. Zombies. I, I was just thinking the other day, now that there's been uh, another Plants vs. Zombies third person shooter last year, there are now more third person shooter Plants vs. Zombie games than there are the strategy tower defense type games. That's, 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 that, that's when they started doing all the microtransaction stuff though, wasn't it? That's what killed all that stuff off. Yeah, that was uh, EA kind of devouring another studio. Yeah, it sucks. The um, I remember playing Plants vs. Zombies 2, the tower defense game, and just thinking, oh no, they've ruined it, haven't they? Yeah. Like, why have they done all this stuff? Yeah, that game was not good. 
I mean, well, the game was okay. It was the everything around it. I don't know. I think any any of those type of puzzle games, kind of like the Angry Birds model where they offer, well, Angry Birds 2 model where they offer you like power-ups going into a level. Yeah. I always think that if I take the power-up, it makes the level too easy. If I don't take the power-up and I lose, I think, is it because I didn't have the power-up? Yeah, up? totally, you know? And yeah. so it's just, it's not a good way to approach a puzzle. Nah. I know you you'll always have that in the back of your mind saying well yeah. of course the game's screwing me over because you know it's it wants to get some money out of me yeah yep but uh and luckily I think a series that has survived the transition to uh to mobile phones is uh the Rayman series I think um Rayman Origins and Legends are still two of my kind of all-timers uh some of my favorites but uh, from what I've played, the Endless Runner ones on mobile, not half bad, not anywhere near as good as uh, Origins or Legends, but for an Endless Runner, pretty good. That's the transition there. This is a request from the forum coming from Maxstat, who says, Laser Mayhem is much faster and very stylistic. Both this level and the track are inspired by the laser, laser scene from Ocean's 12. Um, this comes from the, I believe it's the kind of secret agency type of world in Rayman Legends, and I, uh, I like how we played, um, we played one of the tracks from that world that is a very clear riff on the old James Bond type of music, and this one is such a, uh, such a spot-on parody of, of that track from Ocean's Twelve, which I feel like must be a bit of a weird pull for a game like this to make. But I don't know. It's the uh, French character in the movie and a uh, Rayman, of course, coming from a French studio. So maybe there's a, I don't know, maybe some sort of unspoken kinship there. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I really like the Ocean's Eleven movies. Uh, I went back to them recently and realized, I don't know, I just had this thought of like, this kind of feels like the dialogue and the acting of like what like high school kids thought like cool adults talked and looked like. <laughs> But I, I still, I don't know, I still get pulled into the whole scheme and everything. And I just, uh, I love a good heist. Like, that's one of my favorite things. I've still not seen one of those films. And, and oh, I, hmm. I'm, I'm in a situation where I am currently <laughs> picking up on series of films that I haven't seen before. So maybe maybe that's <laughs> another one I should add to the list. Yeah, Ocean's, uh, Ocean's Eleven is a lot of fun. I think 12 and 13 are a little spottier, but they... Uh, I think they do do enough just kind of fun off the wall stuff on their own and just following a heist, whether or not it completely holds up is, is just a lot of fun anyways. So, um, yeah, they're, they're good kind of comfort movies, I'll say. Uh, but anyways, this is Laser Mayhem by Christoph Haral and Billy Martin from Rayman Legends. <laughs>
We have one more track to listen to today, but before we do that, I would like to encourage everyone to go over to our forum at canonrinse.com slash forum or tweet us at canonrinse if you would like to request a track for a future Sound of Play. We'll play them on one of the regular shows when we're not doing a uh, big long medley or an interview with a composer or something like that. We uh, we have other shows on the network. Canonrinse comes out on Mondays, Playwright, in which we pitch original video game ideas and workshop them in a kind of audio game jam comes out on Thursdays and the sausage factory in which Chris O'Regan talks to indie, usually indie, not, not exclusively, but oftentimes indie developers about the process of making the games where the sausage is made that comes out on Fridays. We have a Patreon as well. If you want to uh, support the shows, then it is, uh, is greatly appreciated. (laughs) But anyways, you're not here to hear about our shows. I would much rather hear about where can people hear you, Mr. Turner? Oh, uh, I am. Well, I'm at David Turner's on Twitter. If you want to shout at me for something, I'm there. I'm there for you. You can <laughs> shout at me as much as you want. Um, but uh, no, every Wednesday, um, the computer game show, uh, you can either go to thecomputergameshow.com or search your podcast players. Um, it's me and three of my friends um, arguing about computer games every week. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Also, yeah, I alluded to it earlier in the podcast, but if you're a Star Wars fan and want to hear a 35-year-old watch the Star Wars films for the first time ever and ring his mate who's a massive Star Wars fan to tell him what he thinks of them, uh, check out Star Calls on, on your podcast players as well because that, uh, that was a really fun series to do. We're done now. I'm mm. totally up to date. Um, so, yeah, it's been exciting to go through those films. As of the time of recording anyways, I don't think the last one is released yet. Is that the no, case? That, that came out in December. Oh, yeah, okay. I out. must have, uh, oh, must have missed out. that one then. We, oh, oh, sorry. No, you mean the... Um, the last podcast Rise of Skywalker or the film uh, the um the last podcast right, right. okay sorry yeah <laughs> I thought how did you miss all that hype um <laughs> no no the, the the last podcast isn't out yet we it's funny because the the whole point with these films is that I was taking notes while I was watching them so we could go through mm. it um but obviously I couldn't do that in the cinema so tricky to do in a theater yeah <laughs> yeah I might have to wait until it comes out now before we do we do our uh, star calls but uh, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll get one out eventually. I'm looking forward to talking to James I feel like if you sit in the back of like a second run now, there can't be that many people that would get that upset with you at a yeah, month yeah. and a half old movie at this point. Yeah, no, I guess not. But um, yeah, I, I, I'd still feel like a bit, <laughs> I don't know, self-conscious about taking a little notepad into it and watching it and writing stuff down. <laughs> um, I shouldn't do really because who cares? But at the same time, I, I just I'd freak out a little bit. But you just tell anybody that asks questions is for your uh, very complicated fanfic that you've been working on yeah, for yeah. decades. <laughs> yeah, I'm rewriting it for George. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the plan. Yeah, good idea. Release the Lucas cut. <laughs> yeah, totally. Anyways, uh, thanks for joining us. It's been it's been a lot of fun just kind of chatting and uh, hearing about some of the uh, some of the music that you like. And uh, I, I really appreciate some of the weirder picks as well. That was a real treat to listen well, to. Thanks for having me, man. It's really it's been really fun to go through a bunch of old songs that I haven't heard for a long time. And I'm sure the moment we stop recording, I'm going to go, oh, my God, why haven't I put why didn't I play that? But um, uh, it doesn't matter because I was, I was happy with the songs that I managed to get on this list. That was cool. And we have one left to go. This is from a brand new game, a game that came out last week as of the time of recording, I believe. That's right. 
Yeah, it came out Wednesday last week. It's one that uh, both of us have been playing. So what is your, I, I guess we heard a little bit about it on the computer game show. If there are, I assume there's a significant portion of the audience that probably uh, listens to both of the podcasts. But um, what is, uh, what's your take on uh, Journey to the Savage Planet and its music? So um, I, I we were, since recording that show uh, from the last, I've played it for another couple of hours and mm. I just, my enthusiasm for the game just grows and grows. Like it's, um, if you've not heard of this game, I, I think it might have slipped under the radar for a few people. It's a sort of first person Metroidvania style game where you visit a planet you craft items and those items allow you to access different parts of the planet that you weren't able to before i mean you you can go deep into the game following the main quest uh, but if you go back to the initial area you realize that there's tons of places you could have got to uh, or that you can go to now that you've got up upgraded gear i mean i've been playing in co-op so i've been playing it in two player with uh, my friend matt we've been going for it and it's just it's beautiful it's funny and as we've been playing it i've said to matt several times the music in, in this is incredible like it mm. is it blew me away um not only because of how good the music is but what it does with that music as well i think it's used really sparingly really sparingly so um but but what what's great? I mean, you look at the soundtrack list. I think there's like ten tracks for this game, and um, I actually contacted the developers because what I wanted to do was was demonstrate what the game does with music, and you can't really do that by just playing a single track. Um, what it does is actually quite special. And it, when we talk about this on the computer game show, I said it reminds me a lot of Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. Um, mm. And it's not necessarily for what you're doing in the game. It's not like you're creating vehicles or anything like that. It's more that it has this little, these little touches and it, it's very visually, it doesn't look like Nuts and Bolts, but it has a similar sort of, the vistas are very similar. I think that's the way I look at it. You've got huge draw distances and you can see stuff in right far away. You can see mm -hmm. enemies moving around and stuff like that. Uh, you can see clouds moving and it just, it's, it's a game filled with mo movement. Also, it, it does a similar thing with music. Um, and even from Banjo-Kazooie, the first game, it did a lot of things where it would play on a simple song. So you'd enter a level and you'd hear a sim simple tune and then you'll go to another part of that level and it would introduce new instruments and play around with that music. And this doesn't do that on the fly. So it doesn't like gently introduce um, different parts of the music as you're moving around. What this does, Journey to Savage Planet has a theme tune that you hear the moment you boot up the game it's the menu music um and it consists of just a few notes that that they play a guitar around basically so you've got these notes that sort of descend um repeatedly um but they play around those notes the different you know styles then it goes away and then you explore a bit and it's all about the atmosphere of the world and and then you get attacked by enemies and you realize this song's familiar, but it's totally different as well. And that's because it's got those few notes doing exactly the same as it is in the main theme. But now everything around it is more intense or it's a different sounding guitar or um, it, it, it just sounds completely different, but also keeping the link with the main theme throughout the game. And it does that. So, so what I did, I contacted devs and said, look, how can I demonstrate this? I want to demonstrate this. Have you got a cut where it puts these songs together and they said no but here are 
the individual songs. So I took the first two tracks from that soundtrack and edited them together. So hopefully this sort of demonstrates. So what you'll hear is the opening song um, from the main menu, and then it will at one point turn into exploration music followed by being attacked by many enemies um and i've been playing this with big headphones on and when i was in the situation getting attacked by a ton of enemies i was just like man they have nailed the music in this Mm. they've nailed the style because it's got that sort of weird lo-fi space travel feel to it that sort of country western uh aesthetic i guess is the right way of putting it um uh, they this music sort of nails it all together. It works really well. It's kind of interesting. There's been quite a few games recently that take kind of a similar track. Um, Outer Wilds and say, yeah. the Outer Worlds both kind of play on uh, on similar countryish uh, tropes to play up the, of course, the final frontier of of space exploration. Um, and and, this- it, and it sort of takes that idea that although you're um, experience in space travel you're not on these big sleek ships from say mm-hmm. star wars star trek you know mass effect yeah. it's not going down that route it's going down the your your ship is like a you know it's like a caravan floating yeah. through space <laughs> um it's definitely a theme that's been picked up on a lot recently but i don't think i'm tired of it yet uh this yeah. game proves that i'm not anyway it's an interesting game it's very metroid prime and actually i was thinking the other day the way that the levels are constructed actually actually kind of weirdly reminds me of the way that Tony Hawk levels are constructed, where there's plenty to do kind of at the ground level. But once you start getting bored of the most obvious things to do, then you start pushing against the boundaries, against yeah. the walls. And then you find usually kind of vertically like ways up to more kind of precarious pathways and stuff up above always expanding spaces and, and secrets to find that take you to new rooms. And it just uh, kind of reminds me of the way that like Tony Hawk levels were kind of built on top of each other and uh, with new kind of decks and areas to explore. It's so um, intimidating, isn't it? There's times yeah. where you're standing on like a cliff or whatever, and you look around and you can see a cave over there, some pillars over there, like platforms that lead up to the sky to that cliff up there and you're going i don't even know where to begin i don't know where what to explore Mm. first and what i don't want to do is get lost and not find my way back here so i can go down that path afterwards because i don't believe there's a map is there no there's no map no so you are literally just just trying to find your way but um I love, oh God, I love it. It's ticking every box for me. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's listen to some of that music. This is Journey. Again, I wasn't able to find an artist to attribute this to, which I feel is more kind of due to the newness of the game and maybe an official soundtrack not having been publicly released yet. Um, I don't think that the artist is uh, trying to be anonymous, but uh, unfortunately was just not able to roll credits in time to... No, uh, it just it just says Typhoon name. Studios on the on the file. Okay. All right. Well, this is from Journey to the Savage Planet, and we'll catch you next week. Mm-hmm. 